Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. Jeremiah 15, verse 16 says this. When I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy. They are my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name. Let me read that again. When I discovered your words, this is a prayer of Jeremiah. Make it your prayer this morning. When I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy, not my obligation. They are my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name. So what if it's true? I mean, honestly, what if every word of this story in this book is absolutely true and you and I can trust it? What if Scripture, the Bible, that we have come to know, what if it's true? What if Jesus really is who he says he is in these pages? He said, my words are true. What if the God of the universe is speaking directly to me and to you through the pages of this book we call the Bible that's inspired by the Bible, uh, inspired by God? Uh, So that's what I want to start you with is what if it's true? How might that impact your life? How might that create a shift in your heart? The way you think about God, the way you think about your own life, the way you think about the poor, the way you think about your enemies, the way you think about your heartache, your hurts, the way you face your circumstances, the things you worry about, the way you think about Jesus, his life, his words. What if it's true? Today we're in the final uh, installment, if you will, of this series we're calling Unfinished, Believing is Only the Beginning. If you have uh, a program when you walked in, I'm going to read the passage for us. We're going to go after this theme today, Can I Trust the Bible? Can I Trust the Bible? Is it trustworthy? Peter, writing here, beginning in verse 12, Therefore... Whenever that word is in the Bible, you know what we ask, right? What is it there for? It's just a a nice little tool you use when you you see the word therefore, it's referring to everything that came before that. The last several weeks, we've been talking about the first 11 verses of 2 Peter chapter 1, being reminded that God, by his divine power, has given us everything we need, everything we need to live a godly life. And then goes on to talk about making every effort to add to our faith, perseverance, self-control, godliness, and and these, these spiritual qualities, these character integrity qualities. And now he comes to verse 12 and he says, therefore, I will always remind you about these things. 
I will always remind you. You know, it's good to be reminded. It's good to be reminded. We, for, we, we are people that forget. If you're a parent, you realize that. You're reminding your children all the time. Here Peter is writing a letter, and he's saying, I will always remind you about these things. What things? The things that he's just talked about in the first 11 verses. Even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth. You're, you're living it. You're, you're, you're believing it. But I'm still going to remind you. He says, you have been uh, standing firm in the truth that you've been taught. Verse 13, and it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. So you can hear in the theme, in the heart, in the tone of Peter, this chapter is really an important chapter uh, in spiritual life, in the life of a follower of Jesus, because he keeps saying, I'm going to remind you, I'm going to keep on reminding you, and in just a minute, he's going to talk about remembering. But here's what he says, verse 14. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. Urgency. He's thinking, I'm, I'm going to die here pretty shortly. So there's this sense of urgency, verse 15. Because of that urgency, what's he say? So I will work hard to make sure that you always remember these things after I'm gone. Think of a neon light. These, this first paragraph is like God's truth on steroids. He's just like brightly shining, saying, remember, I'm going to remind you. This is really important. And so then verse 16. For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder if you've ever thought of the Bible as a clever story, as an Aesop's fable, as just kind of, you know, a collection of some just ideas that, uh, oh, some of it makes sense, some of it doesn't, and I'll just kind of smorgasbord it and choose the stuff I like and the stuff I don't like or that doesn't make sense, I'll just kind of throw it out. Peter says, we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when we received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, this is my dearly loved son, who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice, saw and heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. He's reaching back now to that time on the Mount of Transfiguration when Peter was there with James and John, and the voice from heaven showed up on that mountain. So he's an eyewitness, and he doesn't just say, I'm an eyewitness. He uses the word we, we, we. There's a community of people that heard and saw Jesus. Verse 19, because of that, what's the word? Experience. These guys experienced God in the flesh. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote. You must pay 
close attention to what they wrote. For their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. The word of God is like a lamp shining in your darkness. That's what he's saying. Until the day dawns and Christ, the morning star, shines in your hearts. That's our prayer today, that Christ would shine in your hearts. And then verse 20, above all. What does that mean, above all? Above all. Like, this is really important. Everything I've said, above all. Hang on. This is a priority, above all. He says, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. What's he saying? He's saying, I didn't make this up. We did not make this up. No, these prophets were moved or carried along by the Holy Spirit. And they spoke from God. They spoke from God. You have to make the decision, and I have to make the decision, do we believe that? Do we believe that these biblical writers spoke from God? Billy Graham in his book, The Leadership Secrets of Billy Graham, said there was early on in his ministry, he just had to make a decision. Do I believe all of it or, or, or don't I? Because I'm kind of picking and choosing and kind of like not sure. And he said, you know, it changed my life when I finally just said, I'm going all in. I'm going all in with this book, with this story. This is, this, the Bible is a story. It's the story of God. It's the story of God at work with his people, calling a people to himself. It's the story of God's unwillingness to be left out of the human story and out of your story and my story. And so as you read the, the words on the pages of this book, you begin to find yourself in the Christ story, in the God story, in the, the sinful man story, in the separated and far from God story, in the story that's about wrestling and doubting, and fear, and trust, and faith. It's all in here. But most of all, it's a story of a God who loves you and who is unwilling to be left out of your story. And so he sent Christ. He loved us so much that he sent his son because he wanted to be connected to you, to me. And so this morning, I am going to just look at four reasons why the Bible can be trusted. There, there may be one of these four that you really connect with. There may be one of these four that you, you struggle with. Of course, you know this, but I'll remind you, the Bible is not, it's not a history book. The intention of the Bible is not a scientific book. It wasn't written for that purpose. The purpose of the Bible is to point us to God. It's to lead us to the knowledge of who God is, the knowledge of his son. The scriptures point, Old and New Testament, they point to Jesus. They point to Jesus. I know I have friends in this church that say, I'm a New Testament Christian. I don't know about that Old Testament uh, stuff. John Golden Gay, who's a, a New Testament scholar, biblical scholar, 
he says, the New Testament are just the cliff notes. They're just the cliff notes to the Old Testament. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. I mean, <laughs> wow. The New Testament, just the cliff notes of the Old? And he says, the Old Testament, it's pointing to Jesus. It's pointing to Jesus. So here, here are, I'll just uh, rip through these really quick. Four reasons that we can trust the Bible. Number one, because of what's not in it. Because of what's not in it. Rick Warren uh, did a series, wrote a book called 40 Days in the Word, trying to get his church to read the Bible, to, to learn the Bible, to love the Bible, uh, and to live the Bible out. That, that, that was kind of the whole thrust of, of this series that he did. And he makes this point. I'm, I'm actually going to give him complete credit for this. I'm poaching it from him. Here's what he said. The reason what we believe the Bible's trustworthy is because of what's not in it. And he, he says this. We would expect that if it was just a human book, that it would be filled with kind of the scientific facts of the day. And then he goes on to list these examples. He says, for thousands of years, people believed that the world was flat. So you'd expect, if it was just a human book, that the Bible would say that the earth is flat, but it doesn't. Isaiah 40 talks about God sits above the circle of the earth. How did he know that? Only God could have inspired him to write that. And then Rick Warren says, part of the Bible was written in Greek. The Greeks believed Atlas held up the world, but that's not in the Bible. Why? Because it's not true. The Hindus believe the earth sat on the back of giant elephants, and the giant elephants stood on giant sea turtles. When they moved, it caused earthquakes. Why isn't that in the Bible? Because it's not true. And then he just he goes on, Warren talks about the wisdom of the ancient Egyptians, the best schools, the prevailing wisdom, and they believed that the earth was held up by the five pillars, but the Bible doesn't mention it being held up by five pillars. Why not? And then he points to Job 26. God stretches the northern sky over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. Who told Job. And how did he know that? Again, the Bible is not a scientific book. The purpose of this isn't to prove that. But in that day, the prevailing knowledge were these things, but the Bible didn't because they weren't true. Second way we could know we can trust the Bible is because, and here it is, of all the, the prophecies fulfilled by Jesus. Did you notice in 2 Peter 1, right there at the end, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were what? Moved by the Holy Spirit. They spoke from God. Did you know that there's some 300 prophecies about Jesus that were written a 1,000 years before he was born? In Mark 14, when he was arrested, this is what Jesus said. Am I leading a rebellion? that you've come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts and you did not arrest me. But what? The scriptures must be fulfilled. What's the meaning of that? What's he talking about? He knew. He knew that he was the Messiah, the Son of God, the life giver. And he fulfilled every one of those prophecies. Up on the screen here, prophecies of how Jesus would be born from a virgin, Isaiah 7. 700 years before Jesus was born. 
Prophecy about where he would be born. Bethlehem, Micah 5. What Jesus would do on earth, the details of the Messiah's healing ministry, Isaiah 35. Exactly how Jesus would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, Zechariah 11. I remember I was a college student, my youth pastor, Dave Hicks. It's, one, it's funny how you, man, sometimes I can't even remember my sermon this afternoon from this morning. But I remember this guy's sermon from like 40 years ago, and he shared this example. It's the example that uh, a guy named Peter Stoner, you got to love that name, Peter Stoner. That was like my nickname in junior high. Peter Stoner, he wrote a book called Science Speaks. He calculated the chance of any one person fulfilling the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. And he said they were one in and then a one with like 15 or 17 circles. 10 to the 17th power is what he said. The odds of one person fulfilling all 300 of those messianic prophecies. And he went on to say this to get his point across. He said it would be like the chances of one person fulfilling all those would be like you... uh, in the state of Texas, laying across the entire state of Texas, silver dollars. Across the whole ground of the state of Texas, two feet deep. And then on one of those silver dollars, you took a Sharpie and you put an X on it. And then you mixed all those silver dollars all over the state of Texas around. And then, and then, and then, You put a blindfold on Billy, and you said, Billy, you go find that silver dollar in the state of Texas, and you have one shot to bend down and pick up a silver dollar. That's the odds of this one person, Jesus Christ, fulfilling all 300 or so of these messianic prophecies. The Bible is trustworthy. The third reason we believe the Bible is true is because of the incredible unity of the story. One of the most popular classes at Fuller when I was there in the early 80s was Unity of the Bible. Unity of the Bible. And the power of thinking about the unity of the Bible, let me read this for you. The Bible was written by more than 40 different authors, including kings and servants, tax collectors and rabbis, fishermen and farmers, And they wrote over a period of 1,500 or so years. The various books of the Bible were composed on three continents, Africa, Asia, and Europe, in three languages, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, from very different places like prisons, battlefields, palaces, the wilderness, and different genres, different writings it contains, it Historical narrative, poetry, apocalyptic literature, wisdom literature, public and private letters, prophecy, gospel narratives. And yet, despite this amazing diversity, there's one common theme. There's a unity, a consistency throughout its pages. It's pointing to the story of redemption of God, a loving and powerful God who put into place a rescue plan through Jesus Christ. It all points to him. Luke 24, after Jesus had 
been crucified, and then he rose again. And, and, and some of you remember, are familiar with that, that story of the walk to Emmaus, right? He's, two guys are walking along, and they're dejected. They're like, man, we thought he was the Messiah, and he's not. And then Jesus comes and walks alongside them, and he engages in this conversation with them. And here's what he says in Luke 24, verses 25 through 27. He said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in Scripture. Verse 26, wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? It's kind of pointing back up to the fulfilled prophecies that we just talked about. Wasn't it all predicted clearly? And then look at verse 27. I wish I was there in this Bible study. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures. We're talking about the Old Testament because Jesus is in the New Testament time, right? explaining from all the Old Testament scriptures the things concerning, say it out loud, himself, himself, himself. What if it's true? What if, what if it's actually true? And then number four, reason to trust the Bible is because Jesus trusted the Bible. Walter Hansen, Dr. Walter Hansen, helped us start this church. He was New Testament professor at Fuller, New Testament scholar. And I, I remember he said to me when we were talking about why I trust the Bible, and, and if he were here, he would say, John, your first three points. Okay, I, I get it. I, I get what's not in the Bible, and, 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 and I get the fulfilled prophecies, and um, you know, I understand that, and I understand the unity, but he said, you know why I believe the Bible is true, why I trust it? It's because Jesus trusted it. He says, that's really when it gets down to it for me. That's why I trust the Bible. And so, again, if you look at Jesus and how he approached the Bible, if you read through the Gospels, we read that he believed in the prophets. He believed Noah, Luke 17, he believed Adam and Eve, Matthew 19, Jonah in Matthew 20. He refers back to these Old Testament characters and scriptures. He makes a point of reference to, as he's teaching, to include them. In John chapter 5, verse 39, I love this. He says, you, and he was saying this to his, the religious leaders who were critical of him. He says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me over and over and over again. The scriptures point to me. And then later on on that walk to Emmaus, Luke 24, verses 44 and 45, he says it again. He says, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me Everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms, the Old Testament, everything written about Jesus must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds. Oh, God, would you open our minds right here, right now? He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. 
That's my prayer for us. That God, by his spirit, would open our minds. That's what it takes. And that's my bonus point this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You need spiritual eyes to actually believe and trust that the Bible is trustworthy and reliable and authoritative and true. Paul writes this. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to what? Explain spiritual truths. But people who are not spiritual cannot receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them. And they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. And so we pray for understanding. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found was... Blind, but now I see. How does that happen? How does that happen? God opens our eyes. That's grace. God gives us the eyes to see, to hear, to, to understand, to get it. To get it. To go, oh my gosh. I, I know many of you have read the Bible. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. And there are a lot of people in this room that, that that was your experience. And then God opened your eyes and you saw Jesus in the Old Testament. You saw Jesus throughout the Bible. You saw that God is really, he loves you so much. His love really is unfailing. He is better than you think. He is bigger than you think. And so we're going to close this morning. I want to I throw that. Jeremiah 15, 16, verse back up there if we can, Andy. When I discovered discovery, discovery, I got to open the Bible. I got to read it. God, open my eyes. Help me to see. Help me to understand. And there's so many resources and tools that can help you understand Scripture. But when I discovered your words... I devoured them. Oh, I want that for you. I want that for me. They are my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.